like the Buffalo Bills. What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English. I greatly appreciate everyone for tuning in for today's episode. If you do not follow me on Instagram, please give me a follow at English Encore Podcast. If you do follow me there, you will see my big announcement today. Tomorrow night, I'm going to be interviewing Renaya Davis of the Minnesota Lynx. She was the number nine pick in this year's WNBA draft from the Tennessee Volunteers. Really excited about that interview. That will be available on Monday night for all of you to listen to. As far as today's episode goes, as I talked about on the last episode, we're going to be going through the top three best and worst drafts in this year's NFL draft, which three teams I thought improved the most, and which three teams I thought had the worst draft. Doing some MLB storylines, headlined by Albert Pujols, getting designated by the Angels, and he will be ultimately released. Getting into the Tom Wilson situation, what happened between the Rangers and Capitals following the whole situation, and then we'll close out the show today talking about probably the most... um, the biggest thing in sports today, excuse me, in Aaron Rodgers and him wanting out with Green Bay. But starting off with the NFL draft, it was very hard to pick three specific teams for both of these categories because I think realistically there was five or six teams that had really good drafts, five or six that had really bad, and then you know the rest of the league was kind of right in the middle where they didn't have a bad draft, they didn't have a great draft, they did address some needs but maybe not others. But starting off with the worst draft, and I don't think it would be by very much surprise, but the Las Vegas Raiders. Every year it seems like since John Gruden's gotten there, they've made questionable picks, they've reached on players, or they just have addressed, you know, maybe a position they didn't really need. You know, when I look at the Raiders, I look at the offensive side of the ball, you have Derek Carr, who's a decent quarterback, you have Josh Jacobs. At the receiving core, you know, they had... A bounce back year, Nelson Aguilar, he's gone now. You have Henry Ruggs, who to me is very similar to John Ross, but I think he has a lot more potential. He's very banged up last year. Um, They don't have really any other great receivers. I know they have Darren Waller, who is pretty much their number one go-to guy. They reach in the first round, take Alex Leatherwood from Alabama, offensive lineman, who to me was the maybe early day two talent in my opinion then they draft Trevon Moe from TCU which is an okay pick based on Jonathan Abrams injury history Um, I'm just not really sure how he's going to fit in that defense under Gus Bradley and then they select Malcolm Conce who is from Buffalo um, went to UB I think he's a solid player but where they picked him I think he went around too early So just overall, I didn't like what the Raiders really were trying to do, especially in a division where you face the Chiefs. You're going to have to outscore them or play extremely good defense. And I don't think any of these picks really is going to put them over the top to compete even for a playoff spot. The next team that I didn't think had a good draft was the Cincinnati Bengals. And, you know, I actually really like Jamar Chase. And it's nice that they're reconnecting him with Joe Burrow. But Joe Burrow is coming off of a gruesome, you know, 
ACL MCL situation where you need to protect him as much as possible. Now I know they draft Jackson Carmen in the second round offensive tackle from Clemson, but then they didn't draft another offensive line until their last pick of the fourth round at pick 139. But they had a total of 10 picks. To me, three or four of those should have been offensive linemen. You need to be protecting Joe Burrow at all costs. They already have Tyler Boyd. They already have T. Higgins. They have Joe Mixon out of the backfield. Yes, Jamar Chase is going to be a great piece because they do lose A.J. Green. But to me, you could have snagged a receiver in the second or third round and just really built up in the first and second round your offensive line to protect Joe and I just don't think they did that. So that's basically why I don't think that they had, you know, the best draft. I think Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow are going to fit super well together. Um, but overall, I just don't think Cincinnati met the draft needs they needed to to have a good draft. And then finally, I went with the New Orleans Saints. I just think they reached on a lot of picks. Um, and I just don't understand why they focused on the defense because to me, you have Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, two studs on the offense side of the ball. However, Michael Thomas hasn't shown the ability to stay healthy over the last year and a half or so. Um, and with Drew Brees now gone, it's very questionable whether Jace, excuse me, James Winston or Taysom Hill is going to be the guy. And I just don't know what that offense is going to look like with whoever's back there. I just don't see them having a ton of weapons on the outside, outside of Michael Thomas. Yes, you know, Traquan Smith, some of these other guys are okay receivers, but none of them I don't think are really a good true number two or three guy. They reached on Peyton Turner to the defensive end with their first round pick when I think they should have went cornerback, um, at least in the first round. Pete Warren, linebacker from Ohio State, I really didn't understand that pick at all. And then third round, Paulson Adebo, cornerback from Stanford, I think he's a good cornerback, but they already gone two defensive picks and they didn't do anything to help themselves on the offensive side of the ball where they really struggled, especially against, you know, the Bucks last year. And especially with Drew Brees gone now, I think they need to add as much firepower to go along with Kamara and Thomas on the offensive side of the ball um, going into this year. The best drafts, unfortunately for me as a Bills fan, I think the three best drafts all came from AFC teams and one of them in their division. I thought the New York Jets had an outstanding draft. Uh, Zach, getting Zach Wilson the quarterback that they wanted. Now, to me, I think Zach Wilson was the fourth-best quarterback in this draft class. I have it on the record that I thought that Trevor Lawrence was one, Justin Fields was two, Trey Lance was three, and then I had Zach Wilson at four. Um, but, you know, they got the guy they wanted. Getting Elijah Barrett Tucker, trading back up into the first round, I think was a huge get for them to protect um, Zach Wilson. Stealing Elijah Moore in the second round, I think, was the you know, steal of the entire draft. I thought he was going to be a round one talent for sure. And I think he's really going to help that offense because he can do a lot of different things, even though he's not, you know, the biggest receiver overall. Michael Carter, the running back from UNC, I think he adds a dynamic part to their backfield that they haven't had. I think it's what they wanted Le'Veon Bell, you know, kind of bring to the table that he didn't do. And then even their later round picks, you know, Jamie and Sherwood and Michael Carter, the second, um, not to be confused with Michael Carter, they drafted from UNC, um, but both safeties, one from Duke and uh, Shearwood from Auburn, I think that really helps to go along with Marcus May and then fill um, the void with Jamal Adams leaving last year in the trade to Seattle. So overall, I think the Jets had one of the best drafts, um, which sucks to say as a Bills fan, but it's true. Um, so I give Jets credit where credit is due. Good job by Robert Sala and the rest of their front office. 
The Cleveland Browns, I thought, had a great draft. Greg Newsome, the second from Northwestern, cornerback fell right in their lap. He's going to be a perfect cornerback on the other side, um, excuse me, of Denzel Ward. And they also have Greedy Williams that they drafted last year. So those three together, I think, is going to be great. Then Jeremiah Usakura-Moa, the linebacker from Notre Dame, fell all the way to them in the second round because of some health concerns. If he's able to stay healthy, um, you know, outside of the Elijah Moore pick by the Jets, I think this could be the steal of the draft. Getting Anthony Schwartz from Auburn, you know, in the middle tier rounds, I think adds a whole dynamic to their offense. He's a very shifty wide receiver, breakaway speed, can do a lot for you um, in the special teams game, and I think he'd be a nice complement with Landry, OBJ, Peoples-Jones, and Austin Hooper, along with Chubb and Hunt. They're going to be a very scary team. And then getting James Hudson late, I really liked his game, offense tackle from Cincinnati. Um, I think that's a good depth guy that can eventually develop into a starter. So really good draft by the Browns. And then finally, the Los Angeles Chargers, I think, had a very, very good draft. They get Rashawn Slaughter, the offense tackle from Northwestern, to protect quarterback Justin Herbert. They get Asante Samuel to fall in their lap cornerback from Florida State he's pretty much gonna go right in and replace Casey Hayward who they released in the offseason then they add wide receiver Josh Palmer who I think is the perfect third wide receiver complement to Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and then adding Trey McKitty a tight end from Georgia I think that's a sneaky um, pick I don't think he's gonna I think it'll take him a year or two to really develop into a very you know versatile tight end and provide a ton for them on the offense side of the ball as far as the pass catching goes, but I think he's a pretty good run blocker, pretty good pass blocker, and I think that's going to really help them, especially trying to fill in that void that Hunter Henry leaves. I know they have Virgil Green, they have some other guys that they have on that team, but I think it's a very good pick for them. Um, overall, those are the three teams that stuck out for me for both best and worst draft. Like I said, there's a lot more teams that could have been thrown on this, but those were just the three that I had for both sides. Moving on to some MLB, just going to kind of go over some general MLB news and some teams that have been really struggling as well as some surprises on the season. So Wade Miley threw a no-hitter uh, versus the Indians this week. It's actually the fourth no-hitter of the season, so a lot of no-hitters in the MLB thus far. So really good pitching in the season. You have Albert Pujols, which is probably the biggest story this week, getting designated for assignment which means he more than likely and pretty much guarantees he will be released at the end of this week. Um, White Sox manager Tony La Russa was asked about it because he coached him with the Cardinals. He doesn't see a fit for them just because they have Jose Abreu, but I have a feeling that Albert Pujols is going to land somewhere else or he might just retire. But he's just not been playing well this season, batting under 200, really just not doing anything for the Angels. And like I do every year, I feel like the Angels start off really good and then they just fall off the face of the earth because they've been playing terrible lately. And yeah, they're just not in a good shape as far as the franchise goes. And then the New York teams have both really struggled early on. And when I say struggle, it is early on in the season. They've only played, a lot of teams only played, you know, 30, 35 games or so. But the New York Yankees are 16 and 16. The Mets are 14 and 13. Both teams have a lot of star power and I think are just underwhelming as far as expectations Yankees are very on and off it seems like when Garrett Cole pitches the Yankees are fine and there's some days when they're you know playing really sound baseball and there's other days where the pitchers are getting rocked off the mound early you know only getting three four innings out of them Judge has been struggling uh, tremendously he struck out um, over 10 times this past week 
And then the Mets, Francisco Lindor really hasn't panned out to the contract he signed. I know he had a nice moment hitting a tying home run in yesterday's game. But outside of when Jacob DeGrom's on the mound, they've been getting good production from their bullpen as well. They just have not been able to hit. Pete Alonso's been struggling. And it's really tough for them because they're watching Mats, who they lost in the offseason, or excuse me, trade in the offseason to the Blue Jays, has been dominating pitching-wise this year. And then the two surprise teams for me in the MLB right now would have to be the Boston Red Sox and the San Francisco Giants. The Giants, more or less, because they're 19 and 13 right now, but most of the players that they have on their roster aren't batting over 230. There's only a few guys. Buster Posey who's coming off injury. He hasn't even met really the qualifications to be counted as a league leader yet. Um, and he's batting like 320, I want to say. But a lot of them haven't been, you know, hitting very well. They've been winning a lot of low-scoring games, and their pitching has been doing a really good job. Johnny Cueto, um, someone who's getting a lot older, has actually pitched pretty well for them this year. But Boston's getting a lot of production. J.D. Martinez is tied for the league lead in home runs with 10. Um, Xander Bogarts is batting 344, which is top five in the MLB. They've been getting solid pitching. The Red Sox, to me, at the beginning of the year, I thought they were going to be the fourth-best team in the AL East just because I think everyone thought the Orioles would be in last. The Rays always somehow, no matter what piece they have, are a good team. The Blue Jays just have so much young talent with Bochette, Guerrero Jr., you know, acquiring Matt, have a lot of young pitching. Um, and then, you know, the Yankees have all the star players, and they just haven't able to been turn it on yet. So Boston's really been surprising for me. Um, but, you know, like I just said, we're only 30, 32 games here in the MLB season. A lot of close races, and you know teams are going to be flip-flopping in and out of spots um, for a little while here before we you know, finally get some separators going towards the playoffs. But um, really interesting so far in MLB. We'll talk more. Hopefully, I'm beginning an episode coming up with another podcast to talk about some baseball, so keep an eye out for that. Moving on to Tom Wilson, probably the biggest storyline in the NHL over the past week or so. So the Rangers and Capitals play this past week. Tom Wilson, you know, gets in an altercation with Pavel Buchnevich. He hits him on the ground. He's punching him, you know, stick to the back of the neck. Artemi Panarin comes in, kind of jumps on Wilson, tries to kind of fight him a little bit. Wilson then pulls Panarin by the hair, kind of kicks his leg out from under him, and pretty much body slams on the ice with no helmet. Could have caused serious damage to his neck or his head. And Panarin was not going to play the rest of this year. I know there's only three, four games left, but to an injured player like that, and then he only got fined the maximum of just over $5,000. Based on his history, I think that's just a complete joke by the NHL. They're letting guys go around and do those sorts of things. And you have some of the old heads, like I tweeted out when Rob Ray was defending it because, you know, back in that day, uh, it was all about fighting, and if you don't want that to happen, you know, you take care of it. Well, there's not goons in the NHL anymore, so to speak. There's no more John Scott. You know, Tom Wilson's a predator. He just goes around and does what he wants. This isn't the first time. So then the Rangers put out a statement pretty much calling out the player's safety, saying that they're not fit for their role. The guy that, should, or that makes the decision should be fired. Then... The Rangers actually get fined $250,000 by Gary Bettman in the league for making that statement. All in the process, the GM and president was fired um, by their owner, James Dolan, who also owns the Knicks. They both get fired. Chris Drury moves into both those roles. Then, 
for the game that next night, there's an all-out brawl to start the game, three fights. Then Smith jumps Tom Wilson. They get into a fight. Tom Wilson then leaves the game with an apparent injury, which I think was complete BS. They just didn't want him to have to fight anymore. They didn't want to make it worse than it was. At the end of the game, Pav Buchnevich, who was the one that originally got attacked by Tom Wilson, he ends up getting suspended because he cross-checked Anthony Manta right to the face and gets a one-game suspension. So it just shows how much of a joke the NHL is as far as that stuff goes. But at the same time, I'm sure the NHL is loving it because they it's the most attention they've probably got in a while compared to a lot of the other major sports. I mean, the NHL is never going to be talked about more than the NBA or the NFL is or even MLB um, to that point or to that extent, except for maybe during the playoffs or during the Olympics. But um, just the overall job by the NHL, it was an embarrassment for the league and they just need to do something to fix these policies and they also need to work with the player association and change something with the PA as far as how much you can find someone because $5,000 for Tom Wilson is literally one shift of a contract. Like Tom Wilson actually was making more money t- taking his 10 minute, you know, misconduct in the box um, than his actual fine that he got. So it's just ridiculous, but that's pretty much all I have on that. And then closing out today's show, the biggest story probably in sports right now is the Aaron Rodgers saga. So on draft night, Adam Schefter drops the bomb. As far as the Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to play for Green Bay anymore, he's done with the GM there. He's very fed up with the organization. Um, he was pissed off just based on some of the personnel decisions. Obviously drafting Jordan Love in the first round the previous year. You know, Aaron Rodgers has never gotten any help. And then to make matters worse, they draft Eric Stokes, the cornerback from Georgia, who is a good player, but another defensive player not helping Aaron Rodgers out. Um, He reportedly wants the GM fired. Um, This has been brewing, obviously, for a long time. There's a story that things really started boiling when they got rid of Jay Kumro, one of the special team wide receivers that's actually now on the Buffalo Bills. And he just seems like he wants out. He's listed the Raiders, the Broncos, and the 49ers, along with some other teams. His place he may want to go. To me, I think the 49ers would be the best fit. However, because they just drafted Trey Lance, and I don't think the Packers would be willing to move him in the same conference. I don't think that's a viable option. I think as far as you know, draft and assets-wise, um, Miami would make the most sense because they could get Tua. However, I don't know if they would want him because they already have Jordan Love, but they could offer a lot of picks and some young players. Vegas is pretty intriguing because you know John Gruden um, would be willing to make a move like that. And I think Denver obviously makes the most sense because they have a lot of assets, young players, and they still need a quarterback. Drew Locke is not going to be the answer for them. They signed Trudy Bridgewater kind of as that bridge quarterback before they maybe draft one next year or maybe they can make a move. To get a guy like Aaron Rodgers, the Packers have been adamant that they are not going to move him. But we will see what actually happens with that. Um, Personally, I think he will get moved before the season starts unless they offer him some, you know, outrageous extension that he just can't turn away. Because I think that's also the other problem. He's seeing how much, you know, Patrick Mahomes is making in guarantee money. Deshaun Watson, he's seen how late in his career career, Tom Brady can be successful. And Aaron Rodgers kind of wants that same respect. And I think the other thing is, with the way that sports are run, it's so player-driven now where guys like LeBron James, Tom Brady are so involved in player personnel decisions. The Packers really have never let Aaron Rodgers do that. I feel like they've always been, you know, one of those organizations that they're just going to do things the old-fashioned way. And I don't think Aaron Rodgers 
appreciates that just based on what he's done for the organization. And I think we could see a similar thing happen to Aaron Rodgers that we saw with, you know, Brett Favre when he left um, the Packers. So, but that's going to do it for today's episode. Appreciate everyone for tuning in. Like I said, please give me a follow on Instagram at English Encore Podcast. Really excited for my interview tomorrow with Renaya Davis of the Minnesota Lynx. Again, that episode will be out Monday night at some point. I just have to edit it um, when I get home from work Monday. And then I'll be back with another episode on Tuesday. The Sabres ending their season today against the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm going to talk about the AFC East division as a whole. You know, talk about, I already talked about the Jets today, but talk about some of the other teams like the Patriots and Dolphins, how their drafts went. Do some more in-depth on the Bills draft overall. Talk about Sam Reinhart, um, maybe some of the players that could be exposed um, in the expansion draft, things of that nature. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Appreciate everyone for tuning in once again and appreciate all the support. This has been English Encore Podcast, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. What a connection. Allen and Diggs. No one circles the wagon like the Buffalo Bills.